0: Hi everybody, welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer Today. Wherever you're at, so, so very glad you're here. It's gonna be an awesome day of worship. I'm Jim and I serve as a pastor and our host for this experience together. If you're a guest with us, so very glad you're here. Special thanks, I want you to know that we have a gift for you. And to receive that gift, check in with us and we'll send out to you right away a Starbucks digital gift card. Enjoy some brew on us, hope you do. Today, we're continuing our series. It's week five of The Spirit-Filled Life as we'll explore what it is to live in the Spirit of God and we'll explore that together and God has a message for us all. So believe that and let's uh, let's look forward to it. Also, if you'd like to go deeper into the sermon, we have uh, a link, schweitzer.church slash next and there's sermon discussion questions and a whole lot more there. So go deeper. And check that out. You'll be glad you did. And now let's, uh, let's hear from Stephanie, who's going to tell us more about what's going on here at Schweitzer.
1: Hi, I'm Stephanie. It's April, and this month is packed with ways to engage and connect. If you are interested in being a part of a group, join us this Wednesday at 630 for group night here at Schweitzer. We will gather for discussion and get to know one another better. This is a great next step if you are looking to either join or start a new group. You can find out more today in the lobby at our new blue booth, or you can head online to schweitzer.church slash next. This Thursday, April 7th, is our monthly second season gathering. This month, we'll be highlighting what spiritual growth looks like in the second season of life with guest speaker Tom Boone. You might be wondering, what is second season anyway? This is a ministry for people aged 55 and over, but it's open to anyone, so everyone is welcome to join us. You can sign up today in the lobby at our blue booth to guarantee your meal. On Saturday, April 30th, we are inviting all of the ladies to join us for a spiritual getaway at the Lovett Pinetum in Strafford. This will be an opportunity to connect and find encouragement for your soul in a lovely outdoor setting. You can find out more and sign up online at schweitzer.church women. Easter is right around the corner. In two weeks, we will be celebrating big with two services here on campus at 9 and 11 a.m. and an Easter egg hunt for all the kids at 1015. Leading up to Easter, on Thursday, April 14th at 6 p.m., we'll be hosting a Maundy Thursday communion service. And then on Friday and Saturday, we'll be having our Stations of the Cross interactive experience, which is perfect for families and small groups. We are gonna need a lot of volunteers to help us on the Saturday before Easter and on Easter Sunday. So if you are interested, look online at schweitzer.church slash Easter. Last but not least, don't forget to stop and pick up some invitation flyers on your way out. We are so glad you're here this morning. Let's continue with worship.
0: Thanks so much, Stephanie. We really appreciate you. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to engage. Let us know you're here. There's a chat feature on your screen. Also, give us uh, your insights. Say hi to your friends. We uh, We hope you engage today. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, we have people available to pray with you, so receive the gift of prayer if you'd like to today. Uh, there's a prayer button on your screen. So today, as, uh, as we look forward to worship, let's uh, let's enjoy God, let's celebrate God, let's enjoy each other, let's worship together.
2: us Give
0: Let's pray together. It is so good to pray together each week. And today we're going to pray out of the scriptures, if you will, the Spirit-filled life, the scripture for today. The scripture tells us that God loves us, that uh, as Jesus speaks truth to us, sometimes things we'd prefer not to hear, but Jesus meets us in the reality of this life, which can also often be hard. Jesus speaks there'll be times of trouble and there'll be times of grief, but Christ promises us not to leave us there that we will receive joy. And for me, uh, not immediately, but as we wait on God and we're faithful and we lean in, uh, God is faithful. And so today I just invite us to simply ask God, tell God what's on our hearts, ask God for what we need uh, in Jesus' name, and uh, just really claim the promises that God will give us joy through everything and never abandon us. Let's pray. God and kind, kind Father, we thank you for the, the gift of Scripture and the promises that you give us that while this world uh, will be really hard, there'll be seasons when it's really hard, you remind us, Lord, that you have overcome the world and that you will see us through and you will turn our troubles and grief, you will turn those into joy. And so we just confess that's hard for us, uh, for the delayed uh Gratification, if you will, Lord, that it's hard for us to wait on you and to, uh, to go through these seasons. But again, we, we claim your faithful promises and we know that uh, you desire the best for us. You tell us, Lord, uh, that the Father loves us. And so, Lord, we, uh, we thank you that you have overcome the world and we believe that. We hold on to that and we thank you that uh, our joy will be complete, our joy will be complete. So Lord, again, thank you. We love you, we praise you, and now we pray together. Uh, the prayer you taught us, we pray with great humility, but also great confidence in saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, we are so grateful for your generosity as you and I, we respond to God's grace, God's care, love, and providing, and your generosity really impacts uh, the community, individual lives, but the community at large in so many ways. Your faithful uh, trusting of God with your good gifts, God magnifies those and again is transforming lives. For example, you so, so responded to the March food drive. Wow, we had over 325 bags of food come in, but also many, many uh, faithful, gifts, monetary gifts, generosity that makes the food pantry, again, just uh, flourish here in our community and really give, in addition to sustenance and food, really give love, hope, and care. Again, thanks so much. And we can all continue to give each week by going to schweitzer.church slash give. Thanks so much uh, for doing that. And now we are really looking forward to, really looking forward to week five of the Spirit-Filled Life. Let's watch.
3: Jason, one of the pastors here at Schweitzer. We're so glad you've joined us as we continue in our sermon series on the Spirit-filled life. In the last several weeks, we've been listening to a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. It's a conversation that begins in the upper room and then goes down a road and finally concludes in a garden. This conversation takes place immediately before Jesus is arrested and put on trial and crucified. It's a place where Jesus begins to share openly some of the things that are most important and critical on his own heart with his disciples and with us. One of the major themes that Jesus takes up in that space, in that moment of time, when he knows that the world is about to change, he takes up the task of introducing more fully, more broadly, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit has been revealed and the Holy Spirit has done all kinds of things in, the, in what we would call the Old Testament. But here Jesus knows that a new day is dawning, a day like, like never before. And the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out and is going to be active in the lives of those who follow and love Christ. So we're going to pick up a reading as he's describing what the Holy Spirit is doing. And this reading is a reading that comes in, in progress. Uh, one of the asides that, that we should note is that whenever we pick up a text of Scripture, there are oftentimes things that come before and things that come after that feed into our understanding of what's taking place. In the particular text we're going to read today, like another text in this series, the Holy Spirit was not named in particular, although the Spirit is present. But what precedes this reading is is a text where Jesus has been saying many things about what the Holy Spirit will do and how the Holy Spirit will function. Like he talks about how the Holy Spirit will be about the work of convicting. He'll convict the world of sin. He'll convict the the world of God's righteousness. He'll convict the world of a coming judgment. Conviction, the way Jesus talks about, is is a very healing thing. It's a thing that is meant to To wake us up and to show us God's goodness and to speak about ultimate justice. The Spirit, Jesus says, will be a guide that will guide us into all truth. The Spirit is one who will speak and remind us, remind his disciples of the words of Jesus himself. And the Spirit will be a revealer, a revealer of truth, a revealer of the future, a revealer of Christ's glory. So these are the things that are preceding the text we're going to read today. They're describing what the Spirit does. So they help lead in to what we're going to hear from John 16, 16 to 33. If you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you to open up to that place and we'll read through together. But just know, Jesus has been describing what the Spirit's activity will be like. And now we hear these words. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean? When he says, in a little while, you won't see me, but then you will see me. And I'm going to the Father. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized that they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said, in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. There are two realities that Jesus is describing here. And the disciples are struggling to make sense of what he's talking about. One of the things that he's describing is and and this has been throughout this last um, conversation that he's had with the disciples. He's describing the reality that he is going to be ascending to the father and they're not going to have his daily presence. They're not going to have him making fish and chips by the seashore. They're not going to have him riding in the boat with them. They're not going to have him going from town to town. And that's going to be different, but it's not going to be stressing. The thing that Jesus is talking about that will be stressing for them in a little while, the thing that he sees that they don't is the reality of his arrest and trial and crucifixion. And that will be bring great distress upon their own hearts, their own minds. It will challenge them in ways they've never been challenged, and they're going to see their Lord, their Savior, the one whom they think some, of, some people think, they think maybe, maybe being set up to sit on a throne, they will see him set on a throne of a cross with a crown of thorns on his head. They will be distressed, but Jesus says, that's not the end. You will, you will face those times, but then there will be great joy. So Jesus goes on, he says, it will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor, when her child is born and her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but, you, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. Jesus uses the parable of, a, of childbirth to describe what it's like that they're going to go through in the next couple of moments, in the next few days. And I am really impressed with Jesus Because he says so little by saying so much. You know, if I were to describe childbirth, I would want to say more. And it's often in the saying more that there's trouble. But Jesus says enough so that we can grasp. And that women can so rightly understand and can speak into. That though there is pain and sorrow, it is followed by joy. Jesus continues. At that time, notice he's speaking about this this new day that's coming. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. But I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. I've spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and I will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, At last, you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this, we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? I think in that moment, I don't know if I'm reading it right, but there might be a little sarcasm going both ways. But Jesus finally closes out with this thought. The time is coming. Indeed, it is here now. When you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you all this, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, take heart, friends, because I have overcome the world Throughout this walk, throughout this night that Jesus is spending with his disciples, throughout this conversation, he keeps speaking about a new time and a new day. What is that time? What is that day? What is he looking for? It's the outpouring. It's the experience of the Holy Spirit. It's the experience of of the triune God finding a place to live with inside of our lives. And when the triune God comes to live with inside of us, when the triune God, through the power of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit, takes up residence within us, there is a joy, there is a joy that is undescribable, almost. Except Jesus tries to hint at it through a couple of the parables, there is a joy that comes that isn't just a transitory joy, but it's a joy that comes that is deep and profound because the source of joy, God himself, is abiding with us, living within us, animating our very beings. The Holy Spirit, this one who is to be sent, as Jesus said, from the Father and the Son, ushers us into new days and a new reality of joy. St. Basil the Great, who wrote in the mid-300s, in a book on the Holy Spirit, said said this, he said, everything that partakes of the grace of God is filled with joy. That isn't to say, he went on to say, that, that everything will automatically have joy. He says, no, as it has capacity as everything has capacity, and as it begins to open up, the Holy Spirit wants to bring joy, deep, profound, incredible joy. Now Jesus, through this text, will point to a couple of places where the Spirit's presence brings joy that is touchable and tangible and that speaks to us on an everyday basis. One of the places that Jesus speaks about is that the Spirit will bring to us joy when we face some of the most difficult moments of life, when we stand face to face with sorrow and death, trials and tribulations. The joy that is about to be released is the joy of the resurrection. Because in this whole conversation that Jesus is having, he's describing the reality of his death And yet, even though he knows the disciples will have an overwhelming sense of grief, he knows that Easter's coming. And then when Easter happens, they will not only be flabbergasted, but it will be like the capstone of a number of things they've been seeing and experiencing as they've walked with him. They've seen healings along the way, where Jesus would reach out and touch people or people would would ask for his healing power and Jesus would be present to them. And then they watched as Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he called Lazarus forth. All of these things have been pointing to something that has been beyond their own hope or imagination. That is that suffering and death, despair could actually be defeated. And that life could raise up in a way that we could barely hope for. But yet, that's what what happened. And so this resurrection hope, this joy that comes from the resurrection, gives courage to people who've no longer had courage. It gives strength to people when they face some of the most difficult moments in time. Think about the story that comes from the book of Acts of Paul and Silas. They're two people who've been embraced by Christ and they, they commit their lives to going on mission for Christ. And so they, they, they go to the city of Philippi. And they begin to proclaim who Jesus is and they give freedom to a woman who's been bound up not only uh, by, by some people in her life, but she's been bound up in her own heart and spirit and she's found freedom in Christ. And because of that freedom, Paul and Silas are arrested and they're beaten and they're put in in prison. That doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. But yet joy and the power of the spirit, the presence of the spirit is residing within them. And so Luke tells us that as they're sitting within prison, what do they do? They begin to pray. They begin to sing and they sing. They sing into the midnight hours of the day until an angel comes and there's an earthquake and the the doors are are disjointed from, from the prison cell. Joy brings a profound capacity to look into the face of sorrow and death and to say, wait a minute, there's a different story. There's a story of resurrection. And there may be moments, and friends, we all have these moments. When sorrow and death greets us, we can never escape those moments. But there is something that can be resonant within, deep in the places of our life where there is a joy, a thankfulness, and a hope for a future where death and sorrow and sin are swallowed up. Recently I had a <clears throat> I was in a conversation with a friend whose name is Matt. Matt's a philosopher. He teaches at university. And we were talking about all kinds of things in life. And then he just said, you know, I'm really perplexed. And the thing that I I struggle with the most f- from the everydayness of life is I'm struggled with with death. I'm troubled with death. I would love to see more resurrection. He said even to this point, which made me scratch my head and I'm still scratching my head a little bit about it. He said, I'm I'm even troubled by the act of like how brushing your teeth can kill microbes. And I looked at him with a quizzical look. Like microbes? You're concerned about the death of microbes? No, he's really just concerned about like if Lord's the Lord of life, shouldn't he be concerned with all of life? I looked at him and I said, Matt, I don't know how it all works out at the end. But the Lord who gives life and the Lord who gives resurrection is the one who gives joy. So I think somehow in the mystery of God, God is going to bring us a new day. And Christ has promised us a new day when all is put right. And life and joy surges through everything. The foretaste of that, the pledge of that, the promise of that, is that the Holy Spirit can come and live within us right now and can give us strength for the moments when we face some of the most unfaceable things. Jesus also talks about how the Holy Spirit gives us joy in some other places of life. Like the Holy Spirit comes and gives us the capacity to pray for for some time within this text. He's talking about like, you know, you wonder how it is that you should approach the Father. And some people would almost say, you know, like, I don't know if I can approach God. God is holy and God is other and I can't do this. But Jesus says, he recasts the entire picture of God as God is a father who loves you dearly because you love me and and you believe in me. God loves you dearly. And so it totally changes how we can pray and the the spirit comes to us. Part of what the spirit does is it comes and it reshapes our our hearts. So that if we're going to pray, we're going to like, we're going, to enter in, we're going to talk to God like, like little kids. You got little kids that ever crawl up on your lap and they whisper in your ear and they say things like that? I think one of, one of the aspects of the Holy Spirit is to help us have that joy and that wonder to get up there on the lap of God and to speak with God as our Father who loves us profoundly and dearly. And then Jesus talks about how sometimes, and right now, he's facing it in this text. In this text, Jesus is talking about how in the next few moments, you're going you're gonna to scatter. You're going to go to the winds of the earth. You're going to look for protection. And I, on the one hand, am going to look like and feel like I'm alone. And yet, by the very presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm not alone because the, the presence of God is with me. There are two incredible texts that just take my attention And you may underline this or highlight this, whatever you do within your own page of Scripture, but two incredible things that just seem to jump out of this. The Father himself loves you dearly. Verse 27. And then verse 33, Jesus says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. The reality is, friends, here on earth, you're going to have trials and sorrows, many. But take heart. And how do we take heart? How do we take heart and have the courage to see Jesus' power overcoming the world? We take heart when the Holy Spirit comes and resides within us. How do we do this? How do we let the Spirit reside within us? How do we let the Spirit and that joy that that Jesus is talking about surge within us to, to give us courage and hope, to let the joyfulness of God Really be shed abroad in everything, not only just our hearts, but in our day to day. How do we do it? Well, St. Basil again said this The Spirit comes to us when we withdraw ourselves from evil passions which have crept into our souls through its friendship with the flesh. Ultimately, St. Basil's really saying, He's like, oftentimes our hearts can go in different directions and we don't always pursue after God. And he said, If we want the Spirit to come into us and have that fullness of joy, then we have to draw near to God. He describes us as needing to seek out God in all things in life. Jesus, again, I think would say to us, how do you have the Holy Spirit alive within you? It's when you are willing to receive the gift and the goodness of the Spirit himself. And you enter in. You enter into the goodness of God like a little child. And you say, Lord, here's where I'm at today. You crawl up onto onto the Lord's lap and you say, here's where I'm at. And the Father and the Son look at us and say, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. For when you do, you start to live into the very fullness of the life of God. You live into the very fullness of the life of God. And the love of God meets you. When the love of God meets you, there is joy. A joy that can't be conquered. A joy that can't be taken away. A joy that you feast on, you feed on, you drink on. A joy that is with you day in and day out. And that takes you through everything. Friends, today, I want to encourage you to take a good look at your life. And if joy isn't just a transitory thing, but joy is something that is deep and profound within you, if it is, give God thanks for His work in your life. And if you just have a transitory kind of joy, if you don't have something that's there all the time, I want to invite you today to hear the goodness of Jesus. There is a new day and the day is now. The day is now. Take a moment and ask Christ to come in to your heart. Maybe you've done that, but ask Him to pour out the Holy Spirit and to make you a vessel where He can write His story in your life. Just say, come in. Lord Christ, come in. Holy Spirit, be poured out, be poured out.
0: Amen. Thanks, everybody, for being here today, for worshiping together. It is so meaningful, and we really appreciate you. A special thanks to Stephanie for keeping us connected. Uh, we appreciate, appreciate her. Also, to the worship team, to bringing us into God's presence, to help us, help us really engage with God. Thanks so much. Also, to, to Pastor Jason for that message today—a message on joy and how the Lord is faithful—really, really helpful, meaningful. If you know anybody who could benefit from this message, share it on social media. It will, uh, it will really bless somebody. Thanks so much for doing that. Also, really looking forward to seeing you back for week six of the Spirit Spirit-filled life. It has been a really really good message series together. And before we go, before we go, I invite you just to stay here for a moment. We're going to have a video from Mary Decker. Mary Decker is going to share with us some thoughts. She has been a meaningful, faithful servant here at Schweitzer for so long. If you've been here for any period of time, Mary has impacted your life. So let's watch. Hi,
4: I'm Mary Decker. I joined the Schweitzer staff in 2016, and at that time I was working at the city of Springfield. It was always my plan just to finish my career there and retire, but God led me in a different direction and I ended up at Schweitzer as the chief operating officer. Oftentimes people will ask me, so what do you do here? And I usually reply, I work on the business side of the church. When you look at Schweitzer and combine that with Grow to know, we have about a $4 million enterprise on East Sunshine. We have well over 100,000 square feet of space, eight acres, and over 100 employees. So it's a lot to take care of. And we oftentimes make decisions that um, may not be precisely business decisions, but still decisions that are good for our church. We often step forward in faith and often make decisions in a way that honors God. And that's been one of the most refreshing things about my job here. Since I've been here, I've had an opportunity to work on a lot of great projects. One of the first things I worked in was renovating our rental house, which is next to the garden, and that now is our second coach house or dandelion house. We've made a lot of new space on campus for new ministries, and it's been great to see that, the launching of Flourish, and just the vibrancy of where Schweitzer is right now. As Daryl and I move forward into this next season, I'll be retiring. I'll be winding up my work in May, and I'm excited that we'll have time to spend the entire summer in Colorado. During that time, we'll have some time with friends, family, and just some time together. We'll be returning to Springfield and to Schweitzer in September. When we come back, I'm really looking forward to serving at Schweitzer and in the Springfield community community has always been very special to me and I am really looking forward to having some time to serve in both places. I want to thank you all for the conversations, the friendships, and the patience that you've had with me. My time at Schweitzer has been one of the most transformational times of my life and will be something that I treasure forever.